The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the podcast. I hope you're all doing well today. Um, Before we get going, if you are struggling with OCD and anxiety, um, if you would like some support with that, you can go to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com, and there you can find my free mini course uh, for OCD. This course is really focused on positive action that you can take uh, to be able to manage your OCD and anxiety in a much better way. It's based on my own experiences and acceptance commitment therapy, and uh, it has lots of information about um, acceptance, about getting in tune with your values, and about how to unhook from really difficult thoughts and feelings. All you need to do is head over to my website. Um, if you uh, sign up and enter your, your email, you can get access to that free mini course. Now, on to today's topic. Uh, today, we're going to be focusing on harm OCD, which is something I know a lot of people struggle with. Uh, many people find it quite hard to, to talk about because it's such a, a horrible kind of area. Um, it's something that you know I, I struggled with um, in the past, and uh, it's important just to say uh, from from the start here that harm OCD is just like any other OCD. Uh, you know, it's an intrusive thought that you're having about something. Uh, these thoughts do not represent anything about you. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You really don't want to have these kind of thoughts at all, and that's why uh, you keep getting them because you're trying to push them away because they're so horrible for you that you wind up getting more of them. So today's topic is all about harm OCD and how we can learn to manage it effectively. And I interview the amazing OCD therapist uh, Kelly Frank, AMFT. Kelly Frank is a registered associate marriage and family therapist at the OCD Centre of Los Angeles, where she specialises in CBT with a focus on exposure and response prevention in adults, adolescents and children suffering from OCD and other obsessive compulsive spectrum disorders, including body-focused repetitive behaviours. Kelly completed her Master's in Clinical Psychology from Pepperdine University. Prior to completing her graduate work, she trained as a behavioural system at the OCD Centre of Los Angeles, Additionally, she completed training in DBT from behavioral tech research through the Linehan Institute and integrates many DBT-based skills in her work with clients. Kelly is an OCD therapist who actually has experience of um, OCD uh, herself and shares part of that story with us. Um, then we start to look into detail into harm OCD, uh, why it comes about and what we can start to uh, do to deal with it more effectively and uh, I do really think you'll find it very helpful to find out more about Kelly you can go to her website uh, www.mindfullyanxious.com and uh, I really hope you enjoyed the episode many thanks guys hi Kelly welcome to the podcast hello thank you for having me here Thank you for coming on. So um, to start off with, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, please? Sure. So I specialize in OCD and other OCD spectrum disorders, um, and I am a registered associate marriage and family therapist. I work at the OCD Center of Los Angeles, where I've worked since 2012. And I started out as a behavioral assistant there, and now I am a therapist. Fantastic. And... Uh, so why did you decide initially to, to go into um, therapy? Because I was having a quick look at your, your website. Um, mm. uh, I think it's uh, mindfullyanxious.com. I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a really good name for, for a website uh, related to OCD. And um, I definitely relate, can relate to that, that name. So 
uh, I'm sure you're going to explain kind of how you came onto that name and, and why you decided to go into therapy. Um, that would be great if you, if you could tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So this is a long story and I feel like I've told it so many times is how I became a therapist, but I'm going to try to, I'm getting faster at it, at it as I've, <laughs> I've had more practice. Um, I actually originally went to school um, to work with news. So I worked at NBC for many years and there came a point in my life like this, I just didn't feel like it fit anymore. And there was a lot of life events that occurred for me, um, both, I guess, externally and internally. So it was kind of like this growth period. And I reflected on my life and I'm like, I don't think I can do this forever. And I went through a lot of therapy at the time. And I was like, you know what, I'm going back to school. And that's when I um, decided to just pack up my car basically and drive to LA because I'm originally from uh, Northern California. Right. Like the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. And I applied to a job on Craigslist that was the OCD center of LA where I work now. Wow. And yes, and it was for an admin position or um, assistant to the director. So basically doing phone intakes with potential clients, referring them to the therapist on staff, um, and then eventually becoming a behavioral assistant. So when I first was hired on, I was reading through the website and I was like, oh my gosh, this all makes sense, right? Like I had no concept of OCD. I only thought of OCD as people who wash their hands, right? Like yeah. that's what the, yeah. yeah. So I'm reading through these. I'm like, this, these are missing pieces to my life. Um, I remember calling my mom and being like, mom, you're never going to believe this. I'm like reading her the <laughs> descriptions and she's like, what? So it was a perfect match to say the least. Um, and I've been there ever since. So. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I can definitely relate to that when I, when I realized, I mean, I turned 30 and then uh, I'd been struggling since I was 16 with OCD, mm -hmm. but I had no idea, like you just said, no idea that it was that. And um, one day I was just very lucky. I was kind of, you know, searching on online as I had been for, for years, mm -hmm. like trying to work out what was, what was up with me. And yeah, I just came across a description of, of OCD or pure, you know, pure O OCD. Uh, right. And yeah, I was just like, wow, that's exactly it. That's, that's crazy. It's, uh, it's, it, but it was such a relief to, to right. have finally found that out. It was very validating, right? Like you go, oh, okay, so when there's a, this is a thing. Other people out there have this, mm. right? Yeah. So yeah, that was like for me as well. Okay. And so you were already working at the... Uh, the OCD center for Los Angeles when you found out that you had OCD. So you were in the right place, no? <laughs> oh, I certainly was. I certainly was. Yeah. Um, but you know, my, my version of my like very pronounced OCD came after I found out shortly after I was pregnant. Hmm. So that's when I was already working there. So I was working there for about a year and a half, I believe, maybe two years when I became pregnant and that's when things kind of, that's when we, <laughs> things got crazy. So I had to stop working and um, deal with that. So yeah, but I'd always been an anxious child. I had separation anxiety. I'd picked my skin like crazy, my nails, my cuticles, all of this obsessions around death. Like I've always had these, but they've kind of always been at a simmer. Mm. And then you know, I believe like the hormones from what we know with research, the hormones kicked on and that was, that was all I needed. Just a perfect storm. Okay. And, um, so what was the, what was the, the thing that really helped you the most then in, uh, learning to, to kind of get to a better place with your anxiety and OCD? I would say working for the center because I was very educated you know, like mm. going into it, I kind of had an upper hand because I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is different. I think I know what this is. Mm. And I think a lot of people with obsessions, they believe it to be true, right? They don't know that this is, that there's a flavor to this that is something else, 
right? At some point they do, but I feel like my insight kicked in a little sooner. Um, and then getting treatment, right? Like actually seeing an OCD therapist, I was able to do a lot of the work on my own, given my experience and understanding and being friends with a lot of people in the OCD community, the perks of being a therapist in OCD. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the, the most change occurred when I actually sat down in a very structured format with a professional who was able to identify and also hold me accountable, you know? Yeah, I think that's important, you know, because you can, you can know what the problem is and you can know what the effective treatment is, but unless you really, really do the hard work, which let's be honest, is not easy. You know, no. like uh, most people who have OCD have OCD because they avoid discomfort. And so it's very easy to, to kind of avoid doing the, the hard work that you need to do to, to, to get better, no? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? Why would we go, oh, so I want to bring that on? What are you, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I wanted to, to focus today a little bit on uh, harm OCD. Um, yeah, it's something that uh, affected me in the past, um, something that I, I struggled with. And I think, you know, uh, many, many people who, you know, have had uh, pure OCD have experienced some, something related to, to harm OCD. So to start off with, could you kind of tell us what, what harm OCD actually is? Like maybe give us a definition of it, please. Sure. So... Yeah, it's definitely a pretty common pure obsessional thought, feeling, mm. sensation, mm. right, images. Um, there's, a, there's an aspect of urge as well, which we can go into later, mm. um, related to harming others or self. Yeah. And this can be either intentional or this very uh, covert type of obsession where it's like, well, what if I secretly an, a sociopath, right? Or like how, you know, maybe I lose control and I don't know, I black out. I don't have like this intentional plan mm. when people think of traditional harm. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, I think that's, uh, you did mention something there, which was kind of leading into my next question, which is this idea of control. I mean, many people that I've spoken to and worked with, with, with OCD have, you know, have mentioned this, like, what if I lose control? in relation to harm OCD. And it's a, it's a big, big fear. You know, people are, are really concerned about that. And how can, they, how can they learn to kind of let go of that fear a little bit? Because obviously, you know, if you're worried constantly all day, like, oh, what happens if I, you know, if I relax here, I might kind of, you know, I might actually lose control. And, but actually, you know, they just need to learn to relax. Relaxing in that situation is the best thing that they can do. It, it's, it's really difficult. Um, how can people kind of learn to live with that fear? Boy, is it. Yeah. Sorry, you broke up a little. Um, so, yeah, that's hard. It's like saying like, oh, just relax. Well, shoot, if that was the answer, mm. that would be great, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, don't you think I've tried that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it comes up a lot with like drinking, for example. Like what if I drink and I lose mm. control of my own um, faculties, right? That's one. Um, what if I'm, it's important, let's backtrack a little bit. I think it's important to know that harm obsessions splinter off into so many other areas. So you think about like, what if I contaminate somebody yeah. with COVID stuff, right? Like what if yeah. I- yeah. Unintentionally contaminate this person and they die next week, right? Yep. Then there's the like hit and run, like what if I just lose control of my car and just hit this person, right? So there's lots of splinters. There's the emotional harm stuff. So I assume when you say like the control, what if I lose control? You're talking about it in the sense of what if I lose control of my faculties? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think often, I mean, for me, or like anger as well. Yeah, there, there's there's 
losing control, it could be, yeah, losing control of your physical body, you know, uh, and then fearing that you, you could do something bad. So if you're driving a car, like in the hit and run example you just gave, you know, believing that somehow you're going to lose control of your hands or that subconsciously there's a part of you maybe that's evil, you know, that actually wants to do harm to people. And if you don't consciously think about it at all times, then, you know, that, that could actually happen. Uh, you know, like issues, issues, you know, like this, or when people are, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe even kind of related in a way to kind of social anxiety sometimes. For some people, it's like when they're in a public place, like, what if I just lost control now? You know, what if I went crazy in front of all these people? Like, what would happen? Right. You know, it's, uh, I think a lot of it seems to be related to, to that, like that sense right. of losing control somehow. Right. It's, it's almost the core of it is... <clears throat> like the way I think of harm and actually most of OCD mm. is this identity crisis. Like we can't be trusted. Mm. I can't even trust myself. Mm. Right. So I've had clients where the fear is being in front of a train track and being next to somebody like, and there's this urge sense, like I talked about earlier, like what if I get this urge to just woof, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, push them over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. to deal with that, we go to the train tracks, <laughs> yeah. right? And we yeah. do no compulsive behavior. Um, there's also this aspect of anger that comes up a lot with harm is there's this feeling, oh, everyone feels anger, right? It's a good sign. So mm. it's a good sign if we feel all these feelings because we were meant to feel these feelings because we're human. So our humanness is working, our brain is functioning healthy. But with someone with OCD and harm obsessions, they're going to take that anger and they're going to be like, oh, this, the harms, this anger stuff is proof that I'm going to lose control. I'm closer to losing control when I feel angry. Mm. So now I will kill the baby, right? Because I'm frustrated. And yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, there, there's some anger related there. There's also, I think, uh, a lot of self-judgment that comes in. You know, people are very confused when they have these kind of thoughts, like what's happening to me? You know, what, what kind of a terrible person must, must I be if I'm having these thoughts? And that also contributes to the anger, but maybe in a different way, you know? Yeah, it's almost the secondary part of it. And mm. then there's shame related to that guilt. Obviously, those really mm. helpful emotions, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's but lovely, yeah, I mean, isn't it? It's a lovely, yeah. bun a lovely bundle <laughs> that you get thrown there. Like, uh, yeah, two for one. Yeah. Great deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah. and do you see, uh, do you see a lot of people kind of um, also presenting with like concerns or anxieties about uh schizophrenia you know if they're having these kinds of thoughts about harm uh you know certainly it was something that you know is is crossed my mind at times you know if i'm having like when i was having these kind of obsessions it was like god you know there must be something terribly wrong with me if i'm having this you know what if, what if right. i'm schizophrenic and so that idea was with me for for years you know uh, until I found out it was OCD and, and that in a way was why it was such a big relief because for all those years I'd been obsessing about that you know and uh, that's a horrible place to be for people yeah it's and that's also you know a common one so for you with the, the fear of what if I'm losing my mind or again, my faculties with schizophrenia, it's, yeah. it's a sense of loss of control of, of your mind, um, losing touch with reality. So if you don't mind me asking for you, after you knew, oh, this is likely OCD, did mm. that, was that enough to get you out? Or was that just the validation and now we have to work through doing these exposures? Yeah, no, exactly. It was, it was the start. It was, it was, a, a bit a huge relief it didn't cure the ocd you know well, find, finding out uh it's, it's kind of like you know when you read a book about ocd you feel like okay now i understand this a lot more and that's helpful you have tools yeah. you have information information is amazing uh however information 
isn't everything. It's not, you know, we have to change the behavior if we want to, to, to improve, you know? So it's, uh, yeah. So it took me a bit more time than that to, to, to mm -hmm. feel better, but, uh, but in the end I got there. Good. No, that's good here. I, I clarify because I think a lot of people have this, um, there's a misconception of like, oh, once I know, then I'll be fine. Like there's a certainty flavor to it, right? Like I know it's OCD, but really the goal is to say, we're not sure if it's OCD, right? That's the uncertainty. That's the really scary experience that we're trying to drop into that feeling of, I don't know, and tolerating and living with that. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure I triggered like a hundred of your audience. <laughs> That's uh, going like, to happen. Can you please go back and re-say that again? <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe you right. could just say it again and I'll edit it out. No, 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 I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, right. but you're, you're right. You're right. Because I wanted to ask you next about, you know, like what is the best way to, to treat these kinds of problems? And I think what you've just said there is a really good example of the kind of things that you need to be hearing, you know, because so maybe you yeah. can kind of go into that a bit more and into a bit more detail about sure. how people can, can start to, you know, to start to work on their difficulties with, with harm OCD, apart from obviously working with a therapist. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I recognize that it's a privilege to have a therapist. I know for me, it was, I can't afford me. So I don't, you know, it was very, I did a lot of the work on my own through books and through what I, information I knew. So I'm, I'm happy that people like you exist, right? Like coaches that are understanding of how this all works and there's self-help stuff out there, but um, sorry, big picture exposure and response prevention, right? is really the, the gold standard treatment. Um, my approach is to optimize it is using inhibitory learning. It's not that it's different. It's the same in a lot of ways. It's just how do we optimize the exposures? Sorry, what, right? what is inhibitory learning? Yeah, so in inhibitory <laughs> learning model, sorry. I'm so used to this jargon that no, no, no. <laughs> I apologize for that. No. Um, is really just meant to increase the effectiveness of ERP. So think of it as more, we're learning to tolerate, we're more willing, we're trying to increase willingness. Hmm. The willingness to allow the feelings to be there in general, rather than like this thought of habituation to an obsessional fear, which we once thought was possible. In reality, that's not really possible to hmm. just habituate to it. We're trying to actually relearn how we respond to our triggers and say, oh, I'm like, it's not the worst case scenario. And even if it is, I'll be able to cope with it. And it's more of a general sense, right? The uncertainty, it spans across all obsessions. If you have OCD, likely you've tasted the rainbow of different flavors of OCD, right? Mm. So instead of getting really content and granule on one specific topic, we're kind of broadening it out and saying, we're actually trying to just tolerate the discomfort. We're trying to um, relearn and disconfirm these theories that the worst case scenario is going to happen. Mm. I hope I explained that. Yeah, yeah. So, because I, I, so I guess what you're saying in a way is um, if you're focused on one particular area of ERP, um, you know, on one particular obsession, it can be helpful for that particular obsession, but if you, you know, it's, it's very likely that OCD will jump around to another obsession once you've kind of dealt with, with that one. Right. Think about it as like, um, just to add on to that, because yes, and mm. the other aspect is thinking of it like if you've gone years with this obsessional way of thinking and there's been no intervention done, right? So you're very fused with it. It's your way of thinking your brain has electrical currents in it. So it literally creates weight, like it makes paths in your brain, right? Mm, it's electrical yeah. currents. So we're now telling our brain to go right and it's always gone left. Yeah. So it's going to, it's almost like we have to dig a deeper hole than left. So we have to go make, make it deeper on the right. So we do that 
by optimizing our exposure work. So for example, if, if a traditional ERP, very strict ERP, it would be, we are going to go after the knife, right? Like say the person's hierarchy, their trigger is a knife and holding a knife in the kitchen while their child is playing around in the kitchen. So somebody who's doing strictly ERP would say, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to hold the knife around the kid. Someone who's optimizing it using inhibitory learning is we're going to make a recording of I am going to stab my child. Mm. While, so while they're, they're going to record it ahead of time, they're going to listen to it while they're chopping up and making dinner around the child. Right? So that's how we make a bigger, deeper groove to our brain responding to the right and saying, hey, listen, like, I can handle this my gosh, right? Like all, <laughs> I can do this. I mean, a lot of OCD therapists are actually doing that, whether they call it that or not is, I, I'm not sure, but that is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, it's a really good point. And um, in, in relation to that, if people are, because we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but people, obviously it's difficult to, to do some of these exposures you know, uh, when it comes to things like harm OCD. If people are, are really finding it difficult and really struggling to do their exposure work, like what, what tips do you give them to encourage them and to help them to overcome, you know, their resistance to, to doing the ERP? I, I would say that you start by like scaffolding, right? It's like, we're not here to torture our clients. We're here to do it in a very humane way. I don't wanna just out the gates, have them do a recording and do the, the knife exposure. However, I start by validating, right? Like saying like, I know this is very scary and maybe we don't talk about what the top end exposure is out of the gates, right? Mm. Um, so it's saying we're going to, you're the, you're the driver and I'm the passenger in this car and your foot's on the gas or the brake, that's up to you, and you're driving. And I have the map, right? And I'm sitting here and I'm holding it and I'm saying, we can do this or we can do that. It's up to you, right? And we modify it based on that. So I'm, I don't have an agenda in terms of how fast we're gonna move through these exposures. That's up to the client and the sufferer, mm. right? Yeah. Um, so there's that aspect I think that kind of helps people feel comfortable like they're the ones in control because they are and they should be and they should be right it shouldn't be that directive um and i'm also trying to get my clients to trust themselves in this process right because ocd makes us doubt everything and it includes undermining our own confidence right in who we are and what we're capable of so it's a very empowering process as well um, the other thing if it's really, really difficult to just get them to just say the word, it might be saying, listen, I've been on the other side of the couch. Like I have been that person and I'm, I know that feeling, right? And I'm here today to tell you it gets better, right? It does. Mm. I mean, geez, I don't know. I am proof of that. You know, like I didn't think that, I thought my whole life, this is just how pe people think. Right. And then I was able to turn it around pretty quickly. So, yeah, I, I think that that's probably my go to's on that. And then I get a little more buy in to treatment. Yeah. Do you, do you find because because of your, you know, your own uh, troubles with OCD that uh, your your clients are able to kind of, you know, maybe accept it from you a bit more because you truly understand where they're coming from? Yeah, I think most of them, yes. So not all of them know um, because it's not applicable to them, but for the ones where it's been um, beneficial, I think, in, disclo mm. in disclosing that I have OCD and has, have struggled with it and still struggle with it, of course, because it doesn't just go away, um, that they relate. I mean, even people calling in will say, I want a therapist who has OCD. Mm. You know, like they get it, right? There's something about, that doesn't mean that I can treat it better because a lot of people who don't have OCD treat it and they treat it really well. 
but yeah. I think there is more buy-in. Mm. Okay. Um, bit of a different subject, kind of moving, yeah. moving on. There's a bit of a cliche in the OCD world and anxiety kind of world. And we hear it all the time, kind of uh, this message of you just need to accept your difficult thoughts, accept your anxiety. And it's, um, you know, it, it comes from the right place. It comes from, you know, the mindful kind of perspective and, and ultimately, like, it is correct, you know, if you can learn to accept your fears, you're going to, you're going to overcome your problems with them. However, it's also quite frustrating to hear. <laughs> um, of course you know, it is. It's, yeah. uh, you know, because it's obviously hard, really hard to do sometimes. Um, what advice do you give to people about acceptance? That it's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that it's not linear. You know, you, I move in and out of acceptance all the time. I move in and out of acceptance of being a mother, of having OCD, right, of um, all kinds of things. And so I explain it in that way. Um, I also explain with acceptance that it's not, that all of a sudden acceptance doesn't mean it's going to feel good, right? Mm. Like the, you're talking about my website, Mindfully Anxious that's kind of proof of what I'm talking about is like you're aware of it <laughs> yeah. and you're accepting it. it doesn't mean that you're not anxious about it mm. right yeah. eventually we're gonna it's just finding comfort in discomfort I guess is the best way has been told to me absolutely absolutely yeah I think unfortunately like the 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 very idea of searching for this perfection which is often something mm. that keeps OCD going is quite unfortunate and uh, many people who have OCD you know perfectionism is sometimes you know uh, one of the uh, typical traits of people who have OCD unfortunately that search for for the perfect solution can really keep you trapped right and so in terms of like perfectionism and acceptance is that what you're talking about like that I have to accept it perfectly mm. or else yeah it's yeah. not going to be resolved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And that yeah. kind of leads into a secondary obsession, right? It's obsessing about obsessing. It's obsessing on treatment and mm. saying, I have to do it just, just right. Right. That's the perfectionism part of all this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We're just okay. doing it good enough. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Doing it good enough. And at, at a certain point you have to just say, you know what? I think it's, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. And, and walking away. Enough. And probably because you've been doing things in a pretty perfect way for most of your life, it will probably be fine. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Your A work. I mean, well, other people's A work, B work is your A work, right? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, obviously uh, OCD is often referred to as the, the doubting disease. Mm -hmm. And uh, this kind of refers, well, it kind of relates what we were just talking to, to, to that. Um, people often have a thought and they feel like, I have to get to the bottom of this thought. I can't, I can't leave this, this thought midair. Like, if I'm going to get on with the midair. rest of my yeah. day, like, <laughs> I literally, I have to, I have to yeah. finish it. I have to, I have to get it in a box and mm -hmm. shut the lid and be able to kind of, and then I can get on with my day. But unfortunately, again, we know that that kind of tends to perpetuate things because it continues the rumination. Yeah. Um, do you have any, any advice for kind of like how to deal with that? Like how to walk away from a thought, uh, you know, and just kind of leave it undone? Yeah, because we want so badly to have a box. We want to tie it up duct tape it and then light it on fire in the runway. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's the kind of box I'd like. Just kind of blow it up as well <laughs> if you can. Right. <laughs> right, so it never comes back. Yeah. There is a sense with harm where there's this irresponsibility <clears throat> feeling that goes on, right? Like mm. that if I don't leave it, if I leave it because my therapist has asked me to leave it to do it as an exposure, that actually I'm being really irresponsible, right? Mm. Because if I'm really a sociopath, it's my job to protect all these people against me. So I have to make sure that I replace, you know, a good thought with that bad thought I just had, but I have to really concentrate before I 
you know, go through the doorways before I do that. Mm. So to ask somebody and say, hey, I want you to go ahead and just throw the dice and go through that doorway having the bad thought and that person goes out into the world and just accept, quote unquote, accept that maybe you are, boy, that's a hard task to ask somebody, Mm. right? That's a really tall order. Um, So uh, what I will do is I tell people, you will feel like you're being irresponsible. That's good news. That means we're on the right track, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So maybe, so agreeing with the thought saying, oh, maybe it's possible or, and any of these kind of approaches can be, can be quite helpful. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Or leaning in and be like, yes, you know what? That's right. Last night I figured out I was a sociopath. I already figured that out. I know. Mm, Right. I use a lot of humor because that's my way of dealing with it. Yeah. 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 Me too. Um, Me too. Yeah. It's like cool story. Keep moving. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Yeah. Maybe kind of responding to yourself in a, in a, not in a mocking voice, but you know, in a, in a voice in a certain kind of way. Right. You're being sassy. Yeah. Right. Be helpful. Yeah. 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 I try to do that sometimes. I think it's, I think it can be quite helpful. Right. Uh, Or validating, right. You can say like, Oh, that was really hard. That was really scary. Yeah. And I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going with my day and, and go out of values, right? Like if OCD wasn't around, what would I be doing? Well, I'd be going to work. I would be engaging with other people and knowing this is value-based directed activity, not fear and anxiety-based activity. Yeah, which um, leads me to my next question, actually, which was about um, acceptance yeah. commitment therapy, because obviously you're doing ERP um, do you use acceptance commitment therapy as well? I mean, you're mentioning values there. I imagine that you do. Um, how important is it for, for people to work out their values and, and, and kind of start committing towards working towards those and, and within this whole process of getting better from, from OCD? For me, I think it's everything. You know, I think that clarifying values with OCD is so important because OCD has undermined, like I said, your sense of self in so Mm. many ways. Mm. And it really depends on the person and where they are cognitively and in their process of exposure. So I don't have like a cookie cutter response on when is the best time. Um, But at some point, right, like OCD has robbed people of so much time and opportunities and experiences that sometimes we go, I don't even know who I am. Once we treat OCD, it's almost like, who am I out of OCD once OCD is lifted? So I think then is also a really good time to explore values. Um, OCD can get wrapped up into this too, though, because it's like, well, are you sure you really value animals? Are you sure you really like traveling? Right. And it's just saying that good enough, right? Like it's, I don't know. Mm. That was my initial response. We'll go with that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I think values are really important. And like you say, like, if you get better from OCD, if you do ERP, and you manage to overcome your fears, but you haven't worked on your values, and you don't know what's important to you in your life, and you don't have, you know, like, uh, it sounds cheesy, like a guiding star, you know, yeah, it, no, it can, absolutely. Uh, it's your North Star. There's yeah, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Relapse is higher, right? If you don't set people up for a value-based life in mm. my mind. Mm. And it leads into another question. I mean, it's related to values, but um, obviously like li- lifestyle factors are, are also important. Uh, things like, you know, like uh, sport, exercise, you know, diet, all these kind of things. Like from my personal experience, like when I really, you know, took control of that, you know, I, I was drinking like a lot less alcohol you know, exercising regularly, uh, doing meditation, um, you know, doing other things as well that, that make a difference. How important do you think that is? I think that's also very important. So, um, (laughs) I mean, listen, you can do exposure and response prevention kind of okay and Mm. get big results. You don't, you know what I mean? Like you can still get results. But if we're going to actually look at this holistically, because humans are not that simple, 
right? Like they aren't, they're very complex and we're trying to, you know, have relapse prevention and get people back engaged with society. We have to really consider all these factors, lifestyle changes like diet and Mm. exercise. And um, like you said, getting rid of alcohol, maybe or reducing. Mm. Um, But at our center, we do intensive treatment. So a lot of people will come from out of state or internationally and they'll come to us and we're working with them for a few weeks intensively. And that's one of the first things I set up is like, let's create a schedule. Okay. So Monday you're going to do this, like whatever the client decides, of course, but we want structure. I mean, you, if you're sitting in a hotel room or your Airbnb and you're just focused on treatment only and alone, it's usually not a good setup. I mean, it works, it can get better, but we want to get them engaged in value-based activities and healthy living. So it's going to be, well, I've had a few clients who are like, I'm just, I'm smoking like crazy since I've been here. Like, okay, well, let's consider maybe reduction of that because that gives you anxiety, right? Like that's going to, that can induce panic attacks. Yeah. And I heard it's not good for you guys. So um, yes, of course. And then releasing the cortisol hormone with exercise, right? Cortisol hormone is anxiety. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard of that. Um So yeah, all this stuff is very, very important. Our brains, when they sleep better and you're putting not McDonald's in every single day, it's just going to work. Your brain is going to operate at optimal levels, right? Again, with the perfectionism, not perfectly. We don't want to do it perfectly or be too rigid, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think... uh... Yeah, in general, if you look after yourself every now and then, if you're going to go out and have a party or whatever, eat some eat something that isn't that healthy, it's not the end of the world. Like you just say, you don't have yeah. to be a perfectionist about it. But yeah, I, I really believe getting that foundation gets everything else. It makes everything else easier. Like if you have to do yeah. ERP, like we were saying at the start of this conversation, it's not always easy. However, you know, like if you've been if you've been burning off stress by doing exercise, if you've been burning off that extra cortisol and adrenaline and all the other nasty stuff that builds up if we don't kind of burn it off in a healthy way then you know you're going to be feeling more stressed and it's going to be harder for you to do the difficult work that you need to do that really will make you better yes it's an uphill battle Mm. at that point um for sure yeah great if you could give one piece of advice to people you are really struggling with OCD. <laughs> one piece, he says. One piece. <laughs> what would it be? That's a great question. I think it would be self-compassion. Uh, it's hard. I, I go between like self-compassion and and really although I think maybe they go hand in hand is really believing that there's hope, right? Like that hope exists and seeing other people fighting the good fight here and knowing that you are resilient and that you will come out the other end of the storm, right? Like that it's possible hope. Mm. But I think a lot of it kind of has to come from self-compassion, right? Is like validating your experience. That was really hard. This is very scary. Mm. And I'm here for you, right? Like I'm, I'm going to do what it takes to get to the other side of all this. Mm. And I've come this far, right? And, and finding, well, your values in that too. Mm. I, you know, you wanted one, but <laughs> Robert, well, now, now it's really you, hard you, to give one <laughs> now you've told me that I, I think it's really interesting and uh but i'd also like like to ask you uh how can you how can you build self-compassion then because mm-hmm. it's 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 not always that easy one thing i guess is to you know to kind of maybe simple things like just opening up to people can be can be building self-compassion though but what other ways can people do that? Um, like, okay, so you meditate, right? You said? Yeah. So have you ever done a loving kindness meditation? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a great way to build self-compassion. 
I mean, the very basics for me, I always think of is validate your feeling because no one else is doing that for you, right? The chances are that you're probably asking for reassurance, like, did I do anything? And people are saying, no, it's okay, it's okay, you're fine. Or they're, if you're making this too big of a deal, people are actually minimizing the experience and saying, mm. wow, I really feel scared. And that's okay to feel that. That's okay. And I'm still waking up every day and doing the things I have to do. Or maybe I'm just getting up because that's, the, that's scary to live with OCD and it's overwhelming and it's exhausting. And just saying like, okay, instead of judging it and saying, what's wrong with you? How come you can't handle this? Right? Like, why do you always have to feel so anxious about this? It's just, just simple. There's so much judgment, right? So yeah. it's saying, let go of that. How is that is not helping us? That is not helping us now face our fears because that's just going to be filled with more judgment. You should have been able to handle that exposure a lot better. What's wrong with you? Right? So, again, it's this undermining that goes on. Self compassion is really saying, actually, that was really hard. Mm. So, great work. Right? So, I, th I tell my clients, my voice is what I want. I want to hear you talk to yourself the way I talk to you, yeah. which is yeah, usually yeah. like, don't say that to yourself. <laughs> Cut it out, right? <laughs> I, I think I think sometimes um, I was certainly guilty of this in the past. Is is that you know like uh, when you're really stuck in the throes of OCD and you're you're feeling like that? No, it's like I think sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it. You know, you're just being Absolutely. you're in such a bad habit. Like you were saying earlier yeah. about kind of OCD being this. Uh, this very worn uh, path in your brain, you know, where you, over the years you've got into this very negative, bad habit of thinking. And it's yeah. the same with this lack of self-compassion and the self-judgment. Um, but interestingly, also, you had mentioned meditation and mindfulness just a minute ago. And, you know, I think that's the key to, in a way, to being, being able to tell the difference between what is uh, a helpful thought what is a thought that's going to move you towards your values and something that is just horrible and you know negative and holding you back i think that is such a great point yes we it's not just ocd that has these huge deep canyon paths right it's mm. maybe bad habits like mm. we talked about smoking or drinking or um maybe not being kind of being on autopilot or the self critic and judgment is we're actually trying to teach our brains, our brain to go completely different directions. Mindfulness is one of them, which is acceptance, essentially. It's accepting mm. the present moment, no matter what feeling comes up. That doesn't make sense in our brain. Humans are trying to avoid fear. Why would they want to go towards it? So it seems very counterintuitive to say, ah, no, it's here, and, I, and I'm going to drop into that feeling and honor it and not mm. judge it and not judge myself for it. Um, so in a lot of sense, a lot of ways, OCD treatment isn't, it's not so straightforward. Like, oh, we just do exposure and response, exposure response. It's a lot of it is all these things we talked about. It's treating the whole person. Yeah. Um, and I already forgot what the question was. So <laughs> remind me. <laughs> no, you, you, you've kind of you kind of answered it but it was okay. just um you know, like, build, yeah building kind of awareness of of the of the self-compassion you know to oh sorry the lack of self-compassion so yeah. that you actually know when you're you know criticizing yourself because sometimes it's it's really difficult to do yeah it is and it's so counterintuitive people think why would i do that that just means i'm going to then People have a misconception of self-compassion. Let's start with that. They think, oh, if I'm letting myself do this if compulsion, let's say you're having a rough day and you give into a few compulsions and your response to that is, what's wrong with you? How come you couldn't just do the exposure or respond properly? Mm. Okay. They think, now you want me to say this, Kelly? You want me to say, oh, it's okay. That was hard. I had a rough day. I'm not going to get better if you do that. Like, right. That it's going to take this aggressive football coach to be like, come on, let's go. What's wrong with like beat it into you. Well, studies show that it's actually quite the opposite and that change happens when we use positive reinforcement 
and we use things like that, right? We validate, that was tough, right? That was hard. And you know what? I deserve recovery. And tomorrow I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna do these things, right? I'm gonna do these things to help set, set me up for success. Yeah. And I know when I was introduced to self-compassion initially, I was like, ooh, I almost had a disgust feeling. You want me to say what to myself? That I love myself? What is that, right? And it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah, I, th- I really think in, in, in Western society, uh, maybe particularly kind of, you know, like, I don't know, in England, I think it's uh, people are very averse to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even therapy, even. People in the UK traditionally would find it difficult, I think, to, to admit that they need therapy and to go and get therapy. Uh, I think it's particularly hard. So yeah, so things like, you know, giving yourself a hug or giving yourself a slap on the back, you know, like, well done. It's like, sometimes it's difficult to do, I think, because of our culture. It is, and I always tell people, it is going to feel really uncomfortable. Think of it as an exposure, you know, it's, and you deserve to be talked to that way, right? It doesn't need to be, I'm not exactly the touchy-feely type therapist, like maybe a lot of people, but I'm going to do it in a way that's very, here's the research that proves it works. And it doesn't have to be a hug or a rubbing on your arm, right? Like we also treat people with trauma and, and maybe some of that stuff's really triggering for them. So it's just taking the steps that is comfortable for that person. So, yeah. Okay, fantastic. And um, if people want to, to find out more about you and, uh, and, and you know, your, your therapy, how can they get in touch with you? So the best way would be through the OCD Center of Los Angeles. And the website is ocdla.com. And then I'm also on Instagram, which is how I think we met. Yep. And um, my handle is obsessive compulsive treatment. And my website, mindfullyanxious.com. Fantastic. Kelly, thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, wonderful talking to you. Same here. Thank you. Remember, if you want to know more about me, you can check me out on Instagram, Robert James Coaching UK. You can go and join the Facebook group if you like, the Robert James Coaching Anxiety and OCD Support Group. And also you can check out my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. Many thanks. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional.